This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. This week we're going to talk about the Samaritan woman. Go to John 4 when you do get a Bible. Now, this passage is going to hit a lot of different areas today. It's going to show us that there's people that need Jesus. It's going to show us that Jesus needs me and you to be soul winners. It's going to show us that Jesus is still in the business of extreme makeovers, no matter what's taking place in your life. Now, I personally believe this. As you get around Jesus on a daily basis, your life will be transformed. You can't get into the presence of God on a daily basis and your life not be changed. And so we're going to talk about this. Next week, we're going to get on... uh, Matthew, the tax collector. And so we're just going to keep chipping away, and I believe God's going to speak to your heart today. So welcome the Word of God. Be taught it today. All right, begin with me in John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and he departed again to Galilee, But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, one translation says he had the need to go through Samaria. Now, when you read that, he needed to go through Samaria. Geographically speaking, it would save him time to cut through there to get to Jerusalem. But I believe it was more than just geographically. I believe it was more than just the time saver. Think about this in Jesus' life. He never did do anything accidentally or coincidentally. He always had purpose, so there was something spiritual here that would take place. And it's the same with you and me. You you never know in life whom you're praying for that God's going to send somebody to cross their path. Don't ever quit praying for people, because God will allow ones to cross their path so that they'll have encounters with Him. Now, the issue in this passage here is the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other that the Samaritans were a half-mix, and the pure Jews, they hated them. But understand this, this went both ways, and so it looked like this. The Jews hated the Samaritans, but the Samaritans hated the Jews. So it was a big deal for him to cut through Samaria. So we read on, verse 5. So Jesus came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So get this, Jesus has been on this journey. It's very clear in verse 6, he's tired, he's wore out. He's wearied from the journey. And when it says it's the sixth hour, it's high noon. It is noon on that day. Verse 7. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now, understand this, that the customs of the Samaritan woman was that every day, early in the morning and late in the evening, they would come and draw water. But it's very interesting here, on this day, at high noon, this woman was coming to draw water. Now, you have to ask yourself at times, why? Why would she be coming at high noon When the custom was early in the morning or late in the evening. Could it be that she didn't want to face the other women of the city? Or could it be that maybe 
She had a divine appointment with Jesus that day. Something was up with her to be there. So she comes to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now you got to read between the lines just a little bit here. And you'll see how it begins to unfold. But there was a problem with Jesus saying this. Number one, for a Jewish man to have a conversation with a Samaritan was a no-no. For a Jewish man to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman in a public setting, that was not good at all. So Jesus right here, he's crossing some barriers. He's crossing some lines. Now when you look there, it said that Jesus asked her for a drink. Could Jesus not have gotten a drink for himself? I think he probably could have, even though it's very clear that he was tired. He was wore out from the trip. Was Jesus here on a power trip? Was he wanting this woman, this Samaritan woman, to bow to him? I don't believe so. Was Jesus wanting this Samaritan woman just to serve him? I don't believe so, because in Matthew 20, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So there's a why. Why was all this happening? I really believe that Jesus was there so this woman would have an encounter. He was there that this Samaritan woman, who I believe at times in her life felt like no one knows that I even exist, but Jesus did. So Jesus asked her for a drink. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Now, just what she says there, you realize between the Samaritans and the Jews, there's friction. There's friction between their religion and there's friction between their race. She goes on to say at the end of verse 9, For you Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Now when this was said, this didn't mean that they didn't ever interact. And this didn't mean they didn't have commerce together. Because we know in verse 8 that the disciples were at Subway getting food. It doesn't say Subway, I just threw that in there. But right there it shows they went in and they had to interact with them. They had to do commerce with them. So literally it was about their religious laws that the Jews weren't allowed to partake of the drinking vessels that the Samaritans did. But this didn't move Jesus right here. This didn't bother Jesus at all. Jesus, once again, he crossed barriers. And the barriers he crossed, it didn't matter the gender. It didn't matter this woman's race. It didn't matter this woman's social position. It didn't matter this woman's past sins. It didn't matter her political affiliation. Jesus realized this is a human being. This is a person that needed salvation. And for every one of our lives, Jesus knows this, that if me and you will receive him and we'll get around him on a daily basis, you're going to have a transformation. There's going to be extreme makeover in your life. So look what he goes to in verse 10, real quick. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. And you know how special that could sound if we said it this way? 
if you knew God had a gift for you? And here's a woman who has been uh, uh, mistreated by the Jews her whole life. And here this Jew looks at her and says, do you know God has a gift for you? Now what you begin to see in this passage is not only that Jesus wants to show me and you, your past with him doesn't disqualify you. He'll still use you, but one of the greatest things Jesus does in this passage here, he teaches us soul winning 101. He's literally going to show me and you how to win people to him. And every one of us in this room, we're called to be his hands. We're called to be his voice. We're called. Us going to heaven's just not about me. It's more than about me. And one of the first rules that you see with this within Jesus' life is when she makes these accusations against Jesus and says, you Jews never have dealing with Samaritans. Notice he said, if you knew the gift of God. He didn't say, you Samaritans are all a bunch of losers and every one of you can go to hell for all I care. If you'll notice, he didn't do any of that. And when she makes these accusations, the big thing is, he didn't argue with her. Do you know one of the tactics of the devil is he wants me and you to argue? And he tried to use that on Jesus himself in Matthew 4. When, when the devil, uh, he goes toward Jesus and he said to Jesus, if you're the son of God. And remember after he said that to Jesus, Jesus didn't fire back at him and say, listen, buddy boy, you know I'm the son of God. How did Jesus respond to the devil in Matthew 4? He responded to him with a simple, it is written. He allowed the word of God to speak. And that's big for me and you. Now, when we talk about witnessing, listen, to witness is not to argue. To witness isn't for me to look at you and, and make you feel like you're stupid. To witness in, in, in the debate and those things where we get mad. Now, turn with me to Titus chapter 3. And, and I'm going to come back to John 4. So keep a marker right there. Titus chapter 3. And you may say, where is Titus? Titus is right after 2 Timothy. And if you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone too far. So we're going to go to Titus 3. Then right after Titus 3, we're going to go to 2 Timothy 2. These cross-reference themselves. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Titus 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. The message says they get you nowhere. So right here, the Apostle Paul, he tells us, we're, we're to avoid arguments, we're not to quarrel, we're not to fight, we're not to get into legalism, we're not to get into outward uh, uh, forms of religion. Listen real close to these other translations. The Amplified says, avoid stupid and foolish controversies. The New Living says, avoid fights about obedience to Jewish laws. They're useless and unprofitable. Now turn just a little bit back to your left to 2 Timothy 2. One of the words in both of these passages here is the word avoid. Avoid. Now it really jumped out at me, the word avoid. 
Avoid contentions. Avoid arguments. And so I, I think about my life right now, and, and you in this room can probably bear witness. There's certain things in Lubbock that you avoid. I avoid the loop at 5 o'clock. I try to avoid the loop at 8 in the morning. I will tell you this for a fact. I will avoid the mall on Saturday afternoons. Especially this Saturday afternoon because this is the tax-free weekend. And it will be cruel and unusual punishment for you to be at that place. And so already in my heart, I've purposed I'm going to avoid the, the mall. And you know what? I'll bet you anything that you want to bet right now. You won't see me around there on Saturday. Now in saying that, do I avoid, do I purpose in my heart to say, you know what? My goal as a believer is not to argue. My goal as a believer, just tell them the truth. Now watch what is, is happening here in 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. You know what the fruit of foolish and ignorant disputes are? Knowing that they generate strife. That's the bottom line. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Not be gentle to the ones that are easy. Not be gentle to the ones I can run over. But he said, be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. One of the translations says, patient with difficult people. How many will that one right there, will that test you right there? How many around people that are very difficult? And he said, be patient with them. Now, let me throw that around. How many people have to be patient toward you because you're difficult? Ow. <laughs> it's easy to look at it the other way, but he clarifies, be patient. Just be patient. Keep reading. In humility. Not in pride, not in arrogance, but in humility, correcting those who are in opposition to the truth. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and they, they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captivity by him to do his will. So there's a dying world, guys. And just maybe the only witness of Jesus they'll ever have in, your li in their life is you. Now, do you get happy about that? Or do you say, oh, Jesus, help me if I'm the only witness they'll ever have? Avoid these things. Now, go back with me to John 4. And as you're turning back to John 4, let me tell you a true story that really, really witnessed to me years ago in my life. I'm, I'm 20 or 21 years old, roughly that age. And I'm at Bible school. And there's a woman there who's, who's a very pretty woman. And they allow her to give her testimony one day. And she says out of her mouth, for X amount of years... She said, I was a prostitute on the streets of Las Vegas. And when you look at her, you think, no way, there's no way. Because there's such an extreme makeover in God in her life, 
She oozed with the things of God. She oozed with the love of God. So she's working as a prostitute on the streets of Las Vegas. And one night, there's a man who pays money for her services. She says she meets him at the motel room. He gives her the money and then he looks at her and he says, I didn't pay for anything sexual with you. He said, I paid so I could tell you about Jesus. And this man started telling her about how much Jesus loved her. And how much that Jesus would forgive her. And how much Jesus wanted to use her. And guess what? She gives her heart to Jesus. And it moved me to hear this woman. Because not only did you see an extreme makeover in her life. She became one of the greatest soul winners I've ever seen in my life. Her, her motto in life was. Anytime the devil messes with me, she would tell the devil, I'm going to go out and win X amount of people to Jesus. And she would say there would be days the devil would do stuff to cause me to have a bad day. And she said, I'd say right there, okay, I'm going to the mall. And she said, I'm going to win five people to Jesus. And you know what she'd do? She would win them to Jesus. And so when I look at this story here and passages in the Bible, understand this. That your past or your present sins don't disqualify you. That every one of us in this room, we're called to be Jesus' hands. And we're called to be Jesus' feet. And we're called to be his mouth. And just maybe, there'll be people that you'll cross in your life that you're to lead them to Jesus. You know, a lot of times when we, we go on vacation, we go on a business trip. Just little things in our life. We have this thought, it's just for me to get away and relax. But how many times do we get away from things and Jesus wants you to relax, but Jesus is going to cross your path with someone that needs to receive Jesus? Just a few weeks ago, I was playing golf. And I was by myself and the course was pretty backed up. And I noticed there was one guy, and he was walking. And I said to him, I said, hey, do you mind if I play with you? And he said, no, you're more than welcome. And he said, I'm not very good. And I said, well, I'm not either, so we'll be great partners. So we start walking, and I realize when I start walking right there on the golf course, I'm here for more than my golf game. So I just start asking him questions, you know, tell me about your life. And he tells me where he, he, he works and what he does. And I said, now, you married? And he said, well, I was. He said, I'm divorced. He said, I got two kids. And he said, I have new, two more kids by another woman. But he said, I'm not married to her. So we play a few more holes. And he uses the Lord's name in vain a few times. Throws his club a couple times. And after about four holes, he asked me the magic question. What do you do for a living? And I realized real quick, he's going to get that look on his face like, crap That's in the Greek for some of you religious. And I said, I'm a pastor. And I promise you, it looked like his Adam's apple grew about a foot. And I said, listen, buddy, I'm not here to beat you up, okay? And what I see Jesus do in this passage, exactly what he wants me and you to do. 
He wants us to tell him about the gift of God that took place in our lives. What Jesus did for him. And I looked at him and said, look, buddy. I said, I was a great sinner. But Jesus came into my heart and through the grace of God, he's done a huge extreme makeover in my life. And I said, I was evil. I was bad. I was empty. I was broken. But Jesus changed me. He wants to do the same for you. And he said, can I come to your church? And I said, well, there's a problem with that question. I said, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And yes, everybody's welcome to Jesus' church. And so I tell you that to tell you this, that all the Lord wants you to do is be able to use your stories. And so we go back to John 4 and verse 10, and Jesus says to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to me, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Now, I wanted to highlight something there to you that he said. He said, if you would have asked me, if you would respond to me. And see, that's the place where me and you got to get people at, even when we win them to Jesus's we got to get them where they ask Jesus into their life. It's my job to tell them about Jesus, but it's sure not my job to save them, okay? That's Jesus. All I'm to do is tell them the truth and tell them in love. But listen, you're not going to save anybody. And some people, they're not ready to receive the things of God, but you still love them. And that's what Jesus did. So he tells her about it, or he tells her about him. And we pick up in verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir... You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now, this is a woman who everything that Jesus said on a spiritual level, she only sees it in the natural level. She looks at him like, you don't have a glass, you don't have a canteen, you don't have a bucket, so where do you get this at? Now, if you watch what Jesus does, he doesn't try to embarrass her. And he doesn't try to make her feel stupid either. How many of you ever had someone in your life that made you feel stupid? They tried to embarrass you about the things of God. I'll tell you this right now. That's not Jesus. Jesus didn't do that. And if you'll note here, Jesus didn't look at her and say, Listen, you better receive me right now. Lady, you better turn or you're going to burn. You're going to go to hell. Do you want to go to hell? Then say to me, I need you right now. Oh, you don't want to do that? Then say you're going to hell. I mean, I had people that did that to me. If you don't, you don't receive Jesus right now, you're going to go to hell. And I'd almost freak out. And, and, and truthfully, some of the very people did that was my own family members. They loved me so much that they wanted me to go to hell that they would tell me stuff. And literally... As an 18-year-old, I took a big piece of food at our kitchen table, and I zero in, and I throw it, and I hit my brother. And I told my dad, I said, you need to tell him to shut up. See, again, my job's just to love them. My job's just to tell them the truth. My job is not to guilt them. My job is not to put fear in them. And if you'll notice here, Jesus never did that. He never said, Turn or burn. You like the smell of burn? That's stupid. Verse 12. She said, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank 
drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, Woman, or whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so again, Jesus is speaking on a spiritual level. He's trying to make it as easy as possible. And you know what he's saying? You're going to run the rest of your life. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Jesus was letting her know. This is what's going to happen in your life. And it's very easy for me to tell people that and you to tell people that when we witness. Listen, without Jesus, everything else is going to leave you empty. You're going to keep running. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will come in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Now again, she's thinking this in a natural view. She doesn't understand that as our body, our natural man thirsts for water, so does my soul. And she's thinking, man, I got to get a hold of this water because you're talking about convenient. I'll never have to come here again and dip again. But see, there's a truth here we must tell people. And I think one of the worst things we can do as Christians is we tell people, you give your heart to Jesus and you'll never have problems again. That's not truth. When we give our heart to Jesus, Jesus doesn't take us out of the challenges of life. You know what he does? He works on us on the inside where it changes the way we handle the challenges of life. But never did he say, Ooh, it's going to be smooth sailing from now on. Because you tell people that, I'm going to tell you, their first week of being saved, there's going to be the biggest waves in their life, and they're going to look at you and say, you lied. You lied. It doesn't mean we can't overcome them. Jesus will help them. So she said, give me this water. She asked Jesus to come into her life. Now look where Jesus goes next in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you're shacked up with now, he's not your husband either. And that you spoke truth. So here, you know what Jesus does? He goes from getting her saved to saying, woman, you've got some issues in your life. And he doesn't back off from telling her, you've got sin in your life. But he did it in a loving way. Now understand this when we talk about sin in people's life. It isn't to beat them up, but it is for them to understand Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. I don't want you living in sin because sin will lead to death. It'll beat you up. So he deals with her, her issues in her life right now. If we were to turn to John 8... This was the passage where there was a woman who was literally caught in adultery. It says she was caught in the act of adultery. And under Jewish laws, they were to stone her to death. And so the Jews said to her, Jesus, they said, what do you think we ought to do to her? And Jesus looked and said, you who's without sin cast the first stone. You who've never sinned, I want you to drill her right between the eyes. And after Jesus said that, 
they began to depart one by one. And before long, there was no one left. And Jesus looked at her and said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I don't see them here. And he said, where are your condemners? I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. So understand this. It's okay to tell people in truth, you got to quit sinning. You don't want to sin. It'll only hurt you. So when Jesus says this to her, look at her response in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You think so? (laughs) So really, what Jesus does here, he literally pins the tail on the donkey. He tells this woman everything about her. And you know what? He knows everything about you and me too. But he still loved her. He didn't quit on her. So after he says this, watch how she changes the subject. They're talking about the the sin in her life. And she says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. It's like a smoke ring. I got to get off on this sin thing. And Jesus jumps back in and he says, woman, believe me. The hour is coming. When you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. It's Jesus. But the hour is coming. And now when true worships will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now I know that's a lot in there. But you know what it really says? Jesus is telling this woman. Woman, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. And it's not about this great religious appearance. It's about this relationship from your heart. And so he begins to make it easy for her. And he says, basically, you can worship me anywhere you want. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. The disciples were shocked that he talked to this Samaritan woman. This woman who lived in blatant sin. That Jesus would take the time to talk to her in the public. Now you know what this shows me? People. All people. Are important to Jesus. Regardless of their race. Regardless of their background. Regardless of their sin. And this is very interesting that I believe the church as a whole. We really need to get this right here. Jesus hang out with sinners. He didn't run away from the sinner. He got around the sinner. And too many times in the church, we don't want to get around the sinner. We have this thought that if we get around filth, we'll be filth. But Jesus didn't get around the sinner to sin. Jesus got around the sinner to influence them. And that's the same as me and you. And I will tell you this. When you get around the center, sometimes it's, it's naughty, it's nasty, it's ugly. 
But where there is no ox, the trough is clean. But where there is the ox, you get the stuff. And so Jesus' own life, he said, I'll get around them. And even his disciples, they were like, what are you doing with these yahoos? What are you doing with this woman? This is big right here. I got to get where in my own life, I don't care what the religious think. Jesus didn't. And oftentimes, I believe this as Christians, and this has happened to me several times. I was at a setting one night where there was a lot, a lot, a lot of alcohol. I'm not talking about beer and wine. I'm talking about the heavy stuff. I can tell you about the heavy stuff. I was in that stuff for years, so I know. (laughs) I was best friends with Jack Daniels. And it was everywhere. And you know what? I started freaking out. Not that I was going to do that. I'm past it. Jesus set me free. I can tell you that. Jesus set me free. You know what I was freaking out about? I thought, what if someone in this room sees me and they say, look, there's old pastor. And so I was more concerned about me than more concerned about loving and telling the sinner about Jesus. We got to get to a place in our life where, you know what, on people. And I don't mean that ugly, but this right here, even when his own disciples were like, Jesus, what's up? Do you know? She's been married five times. And the one she's with, and Jesus is saying, yes, geniuses, I know. I know. Take a chill pill. It's okay. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled. And he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So what ultimately happens here is this woman, this Samaritan woman, who the Jews had no dealing with, she receives Jesus. She has an extreme makeover. Her life is transformed. Why did all this happen? Because Jesus took the initiative to love a woman. He took the initiative to love a sinner. And this woman responds, who had huge sin in her past. But understand this, her sin didn't disqualify her from her potential with Jesus. What am I telling you? Jesus still uses people that have sinned. Jesus still takes messes and makes miracles. Now watch what happens in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Now stop just a second. What do you think up to that point this woman's reputation in their city was? Let me give you a little hint. She's been married five times. And the one she's with right now is not her husband. But look at this. Because of this woman testified, and he told me all that I did, there was numerous people 
in that city that gave their heart to Jesus. So this transformed woman, this woman who had an extreme makeover, she becomes one of the Lord Jesus' evangelistic tools. And again, this is what Jesus wants to do with every one of us. And there's ones of us that we have different testimonies in our life on the things we've done. You know what? You'll be able to speak in people's hearts. It's very easy for me to speak in the alcoholic or the drug addict's heart. You know why? Because I've been there. And there's some of you that have beaten yourself up because you've had numerous divorces in your life and you've thought, how can I ever be used? Oh yeah, God wants you to be set free. He wants you to have a transformation where you come to the point where you can look at the divorce and say, God hadn't quit on you. And some of you have got other great sins in your life. And so my sins become my testimony when I allow God to transform me. But I must respond to him. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.